sports? Do you like beer? Do you love sports and beer? Then you're exactly where you need to be. This is the Hughes Views and Brews Show on 1252 Sports Chicago. Cheers. How is everyone doing on this Monday evening? Hope you're doing well. Another episode of Hubes Views and Brews. Some people ask me when they see the promo on um, either Facebook or on Twitter, what is that number up in the corner? Like last week, I had a bunch of sevens all over and I had some sixes. And that was originally going to be how long it was going to be before I retired. But then I decided to retire early in January. So basically what those numbers mean now is that's how many weeks before I turn 65. And um, I don't know if I'm going to be doing a show six weeks from now um, because I may be hung over from uh, my birthday on Sunday, May 15th. But we'll see. If the White Sox are on a roll, if the Bulls are doing well, we'll see. We'll see. But it is Hubes Views and Brews. We're going to talk a lot of sports. We're going to talk some beer uh, with Ricky Cervantes hoping to join us from Foreign Exchange. But the other day, on Sunday, as a matter of fact, I went over to um, Nick and Ivy. I know, big surprise, right? Me at a brewery. And um, I grabbed uh, a couple of beers. I had the Delwood. And um, that's what I'm going to start the show with tonight. Um, it was very good. Me, Paul, and Mike were um, enjoying a few beverages, watching some uh, college basketball. We'll get to that in a second. And the one thing we were also doing was I was experiencing Fozzie football for the first time and man, I suck. I got to, I got to work at that game. It's just, you know, you push the puck. It's kind of like the newer version of, um, you know, the football with the uh, triangle that you, you'd kick. This is much, much better. It's very cool. Um, you can uh, check it out and Fozzie football. If you're interested, you can uh, look at the game, get into a game, put down 1252 sports and get a discount. Let me have some of this Delwood before we get into the NCAA. Mm. This is really good. This is actually beer left over when Paul and uh, Mike came to watch the football playoffs. Paul brought a case of beer, and I'm slowly but surely working my way through it. So uh, we'll get to that uh, in just a little bit. Um, the NCAA tournament has been wonderful. It's been a lot of fun. St. Peter's made it really good. And even with the upsets and all the other things, you've got the Blue Bloods playing in the Final Four. Kansas, a one seed against a two seed in Villanova. You also have the two seed Duke against number eight, North Carolina. The first time that they are playing in the NCAA tournament, which is going to be cool. So Saturday is going to be a lot of fun. And not only is Saturday going to be fun because of that, but we got an event coming up on Saturday at Orange and Brew. Our guy, uh, Eric Schmidt from Orange and Brew. and um, Mike from 1252, they got together. We're going to be doing um, a live remote at Orange and Brew on Saturday around 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, something like that. We'll be there. Stop on by. They're going to be having a uh, free throw shooting contest for charity, a charity free throw shooting contest uh, at Orange and Brew on Saturday. Uh, it's for the uh, Chicago Positive um, Movement. I think that's what it's called. 
as I got it here, and I wrote, and I can't read it. Um, Tracy Abrams, former Illini. Uh, it's his mentoring organization. So we are going to have um, a free throw shooting contest. Mike and I are going to be doing a, um, uh, a live remote from there. We're going to have a lot of fun. It'll be a great time. Cannot wait to get uh, there and do that. And we'll definitely have many, many beverages as we uh, get ready for the Final Four later on in the evening. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed um, really enjoyed the tournament so far. And I because I'm not working as much, I would not I don't need to watch as many games. And uh, but I am watching a, a quite a bit of them because it's been fun. A lot of fun games in the tournament. And that's been wonderful. Um, we have a special guest today. She is a uh, super fan from 1252. That's what we'll call her. Uh, Nancy Kalivas is uh, she knows her White Sox. She knows her Bulls. And um, we saw her. She came out to our Megaplex, um, the game on appearance. And we bring Nancy on to talk some White Sox and Bulls. Nancy, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. You got to loosen up. You got to just have fun tonight. And I'm a fellow Cicero alum, so we have that yes. in common as well. Yes. And then you know, last week I had the old guys from Cicero on, and now I have younger people from Cicero yes. on. They, they were born in 49, and uh, even I wasn't that old, but that was a lot of fun. Um, when, I've seen you a couple times, three or four times. We've got we've seen each other. You came out to come up some of the yes. 1252 appearances and things like that. I, like I said, I saw you at Game On last week, and um, we were talking, or two weeks ago, talking about the White Sox and the Bulls. And uh, you said, you got to have me on sometime. I said, perfect. I wrote it down on my phone. I said, come on, you're coming on. Yes, you yeah. did. And it wasn't because you were drunk. You were serious. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't drunk. Which is shockingly, <laughs> I wasn't drunk that night. So that was good. Um, let's talk White Sox because coming into this season, the White Sox needed to get two positions filled, a second baseman and a right, right. fielder. And so far, all they got was Josh Harrison. And they don't have a right fielder. Um were you concerned? Were those your concerns, uh, second base and right field? And if so, how do you think they're, they've done? And what are your concerns going into the season? Well, I know they picked up Hernandez last year to try and fit the role, and clearly he didn't pan out, right? Right. So right. I can't say I know enough about Harrison, you know, what I read on him. I know he's a second-time All-Star. Like, we picking him up, he was just on Oakland. So, I mean, from what I've read, he's coming off, at least on paper, decent, you know, good pickup. You know, so hopefully he'll, you know, fit the the position for us. I mean, because we definitely, that's what hurt us last year is defense. Yeah. Um, I mean, I miss that we kind of let go of Madrigal last year for Kimbrell. You Me know, too. That yeah. one, this situation, I mean, wasn't a good fit. I mean, they kind of came out in the head, but it's neither here than there. But, um, yeah, and right outfield, I mean, I know they're, from what I've heard, they're trying to play Andrew Vaughn. I heard that, you know, they're trying to put him in right field, which, I mean, he could play. Um, I mean, even if Adam Engel, Adam Engel went out in right field, I mean, I'd be happy I with know. that. I yeah. mean, I don't I mean you've I, got, they've got like, Adam Engel. Right. They got, yeah, they have Engel, they have Gavin Sheets, mm -hmm. and they have Andrew Vaughn. And yesterday, right. Vaughn got hurt. He, right, uh, I saw that. Yeah, he suffered a hip pointer, but they say he's just going to be out for a week or so. Uh, and yeah. Gavin Sheets can hit the heck out of the ball. But he's right. a first baseman, and they're putting him out in right field. Um, Lurie Garcia, we saw him in the playoffs last year. He's not a guy I ever want to see in right mm -hmm. field again. Mm -mm. Um, but he continues to hit. And they told us, I was watching the game yesterday, and they gave a statistic. Not only is Lurie Garcia the longest tenured White Sox player, 
but he's the longest tenured player on any team in Major League Baseball. Surprising, because he's, he's he, such a utility player that yes. can kind of play everywhere. Yeah, he's been on the team um, since twenty since twenty thirteen. He's been on the wow. team, and nobody in baseball has been on their team as long as Larry Garcia has. I didn't he know can hit. He's a great utility guy, but I don't want to have to see him in right field again. No, no, no. no, no. That's what killed us against the Astros. So yeah. our defense. Um, I would love that if they would put Angle in right outfield. I mean, why not? You use them at center outfield before we had Roberts, right? Yep. Obviously, we're not going to replace him with Roberts. And, no. you know, Laurie wants to prove himself in center. Or, I'm sorry, in left. So, I mean, Vaughn or Adam out there and then, like, continue to use Sheets as, like, the DH, you know? Yeah. That's and they I'm have doing. so many – they have so much hitting. I mean, right. with Moncada and Tim Anderson and Abreu and e Eloy and Robert and mm – -hmm. I'm not a Yasmani Grandal fan at all. I, I think I don't think he can catch the ball, and that's no, tough when your job is catching. Yes. Defense is so bad that yeah. one. I don't know against who might have been Cleveland when we had to go to extra innings, and he missed that one play, and then he came back and hit a home run. So I mean, he made up for it, but yeah, yeah, he had he had all kinds of <clears throat> all kinds of struggles last year, yeah. uh, batting average wise. He did get mm -hmm. on base a lot, but when yeah. you got a guy like that. You, he's not supposed to be an on-base guy. He's supposed to be the guy driving people in. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that bothered me last year. Now, he did have – I think he hit 240 for the season. He did have some power numbers, and they, it was nice down the stretch when he came back after he being did. hurt. He got kind of hot right before the playoffs, but then he just went cold, I feel. like. Yeah, yeah. He and, and so he's he's the, the catcher. I know a lot of White Sox fans would like the Sox to pick up another defensive catcher. They still have Zach Collins. Um, and Zavala, right? Yeah, and Zavala's still there. I don't know if he'll make the roster coming out mm -hmm. because they may only go with two catchers. But because the season, because of uh, being it being delayed, they're going to have a 28-man roster to start okay. the season. So maybe they can have um, three catchers. Um, but you mentioned Kimbrel and the trade with with Madrigal. Right. The problem is Kimbrel's still here, and um, yeah, that's a problem for me because. They went out and got Joe Kelly, who's going to be hurt at the start of the season. Oh, they got, he's going to be hurt to start the season? Yeah, he's not going to oh. start the season. And you're not the only one who didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. I, was talking to, I was talking to Mike earlier the other day, and uh, I didn't realize that. But uh, they did pick up Kendall Graveman. He's a heck of a, a guy in the bullpen. So you've got him, and you got Bummer, and Crochet, and Hendricks. Their bullpen's great. But remember last year, we thought the bullpen was going to be great. Right. And they struggled. They struggled well, throughout the I... year. And I'm a huge fan of Hendricks. Love him, right? I mean, I, I know from the numbers, I think he probably was, like, ranked number one or two. But he still kind of frightens me because he's, they, they've hit homers off of him you yes. know, right when he comes out. And I just feel like as a closer, you need to set the tone, the tone yeah. right? So yeah. you can't have a dude come out, like, even against the Angels, right, the spring training. Like, we were up. And then just a few days ago, I caught a little bit of the game. And whoever it was hit a homer off of him. I was like, you can't set the tone like that. You're close. I know. Yeah. So he's, he scares he, me a little bit. Yeah, me too. He did give up a lot of homers last year. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and that's what bothers you now. Solo homers don't bother me as much, you know, as right. long as you keep the guys off base. But uh <clears throat> with him, I, I'm I'm I wish Kimbrough wasn't around. Um I don't know how that's gonna work, what's gonna happen. Uh, I have still heard that there's a possibility he can still move him before the season starts. That's what I heard, yeah. yeah. That he so, even knows it himself. Like he, you know, when they interviewed him, he kind of knew that whatever's going to happen is going to happen pretty much. Like, right. You know, so, 
yeah, so we'll see how it works out with him. There's a couple other options um, in right field, real quickly. Uh, Mike Rodolfo and also uh, Yelky Cespedes, these other guys. <clears throat> Adolfo came in the other day. He got a hit. He's been hitting pretty well. Cespedes is about a year or so away, but he's um, he actually hitting the ball well. He's got a couple of homers in the spring. That's good. But you look at the rotation. Are you concerned at all about Michael Kopech? Because they're going to have they're they're planning on counting on him as one of the guys. Yes, I read today. You know, of course, he wants to be part of the you know the fifth man rotation for a starter. <laughs> um, I think what happened towards the end of the year too, like right before playoffs or even in playoffs, they just figured him out. Like they figured out his fastball and you know, and his slider. So, you know, kind of scares me a little bit, but I mean, I'm hoping, you know, he kind of was screwed a little bit, right. Because of the injury and then the shortened season. So last year was kind of his full season. So maybe, you know, he just tired out towards the end, just kind of guess. So hopefully having a full season under his belt, but yeah, you don't know. Well, and the other guy, I, he was pitching yesterday. And not only do I not like him pitching, but he takes so long. And that yeah. was uh, Dallas Keuchel. Just takes forever to be throwing the ball. And I'm not a fan of Dallas Keuchel. Uh, he got married in the offseason to a really good-looking girl that works for MLB Network. He got married to Kelly <laughs> they Nash. They all have trophy wives. Yes, they do. They and he does. Them. And um, so hopefully he's concentrating on the game because he pitched miserable last year. He does. I know. It, Shockingly, he was miserable. Yeah. He was our weak link. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, he was between, you know, and then when he got to the playoffs, Lynn and Giolito and Sees, everybody got hit. Nobody could go yes. three or four innings, mm. and that was really tough. Um, Tom from Bridgeport. I was a fan of Houston to begin with, man. I knew we were going to lose. I was, yeah. The second we had Houston, I was like, it's over. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah, Tom was asking. Uh, Tom from Bridgeport was asking about Jose Abreu. I love Jose Abreu. Me too. I, That's my yeah. fave. I can't. Yeah. I, I mean, think Jose Abreu can play. He plays well in the field. He plays really yes. good first base, and all he does is drive in runs. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you think we should move on from a guy like that. He just he continues. To, no, I mean he, he it's like besides for like Polly. I mean he's. Just that's who you think of, like Frank right. Thomas, right? Like he's gonna go down yeah. in history. I mean, he's classy, like off the field, on the field. He does every. I mean, what's his name? Uh, Tony Larusso was smart when he came on. Like he gained Abreu's respect because he knew everyone else was gonna fall. Yeah, you know, if he got right. Abreu's respect, then everyone else was gonna fall in as well. You know, yeah. so you can't no. let go of Abreu. I mean, he said it himself. Like this is probably his last year anyway. He doesn't know what else he has left in him. Well, we'll see. And like I said, yeah. he, he he constantly just steps to the plate and does well. Yeah. Um, Tom also wants to know uh, who should be the other starter, Crochet or Kopech. Crochet mm-hmm. is maybe a few years away from being a starter, but I like him out of the bullpen. I saw him uh, strike out Otani the other day. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that was fun. That was awesome. That, yeah, that was nice watching him do that. Yeah. So I like him out of the bullpen. And having a lefty like him, you got a, him – you got Bummer who comes in and he's throwing his junk and they can't hit that. Uh, as long as Bummer doesn't walk a guy, he has a tendency to let yes. the first guy you face gets on. And then I don't know if it gets into his head or what it is, but um, it's going to be a fun season. I'm looking forward to it. They they should win their division, but the problem is yes. the Yankees are tough. And every you know there, there's still a lot of good teams around the American League. And then you still got the Dodgers in uh, sitting there in the National League. So uh, I'm, I'm concerned about the long run, but 
But it's a long, long season. They're going to play 162, even though they had the uh, they're starting late. They're going to make those games up, and um, I'm just I mean, looking forward to opening we'll, day. Hell yeah, I'm I'm definitely think we'll win our division. Yeah. Although I didn't know Minnesota picked up Alex Correa from Houston, so that's probably Carlos Correa. Only, yeah, yeah, Correa. That's probably yeah. our only competition in our like division. Yeah, you know, with him coming on, but no, we should definitely still win our division, but. Yeah, I mean, we still have to – it's like the Bulls. We have to be able to beat the best teams. Like, we have to beat Boston. We have to beat New York. We have to beat Houston. Like, I mean, like, yeah. it, it, like we can't always be satisfied with just winning our division like and making the playoffs. Like, we have to at least, you know, make it to the second round, you know? Right. Yeah, win a playoff series. That would be nice. Yeah. It leads us into the Bulls that you were talking about. They're going into today. They're 43-31. and 31. Mm-hmm. They're in New York playing the Knicks. They've got – uh, eight games remaining. They have five of those at home. They're on the road today and tomorrow. Uh, they take on New York and Washington. Um, even Fat Mike's mentioned, yeah, the Tigers are going to be better back to baseball right. for a second. But um, to the Bulls, the Knicks and, and, and uh, Washington the next two days. Then they're at home for five straight. Um, right. They got the Clippers, Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, Charlotte before wrapping up the season at Minnesota. Now, right now, They find themselves in fifth in the Eastern Conference. Boston and Miami are tied for the top spot. Milwaukee and um, Philadelphia half came back. Then the Bulls three and a half, Toronto four and a half, Cleveland five and a half. That was a big win over Cleveland on Saturday night. It was huge huge because we took the tiebreaker from Cleveland, which is huge. And then um, Toronto also, I believe we own the tiebreaker from them, which another team that's trying to fight, you know, have a playoff spot. Um. But, yeah, I mean, Miami actually is on a four-game losing streak, so they're kind of falling off a little bit. Um, I want us to stay in the fifth or, like, I mean, sixth spot. Fifth right. is good. Let's stay in the fifth. You know, we'll play a team that more than likely we can beat or at least compete against. I do not want to see Philly number one. I mean, in the three or four games, we have not showed up at all against them. They can't stop no. and beat. They just no. There's nobody on the team that can stop him. Mm-hmm. Not that a lot of people can around right. the NBA. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Philadelphia is four right now, but the mm-hmm. odds are the way Miami's struggling right now. Um, maybe they drop down. Um, who knows? And we get a chance to see Miami uh, later this weekend. I think it's Saturday. Uh, the Bulls play uh, Miami at the United Center. I'll be watching the NCAA games, the Final right. Four, but the Bulls are playing Miami that night. So that'll be a big game. See how things go there. But uh, defensively has been the problem. They've been giving right. up. What was it? Not not the game last week, not the Cleveland game, the game before that. The Bulls gave up 40 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, they were right there and then just, just that got scored. That was the New Orleans upon. game probably? It might I have been, yeah. So it was the yeah. New Orleans. We definitely yeah. should have taken that game, and we didn't. You know, a game we should have taken. Right. Um, yeah, defensively has definitely been like our Achilles heel lately. Uh, yeah. Rebounding, we're just not getting the long rebounds whatsoever. Um, yesterday they did something smart a lot with Vooch. They were like double teaming a lot with him and, you know, Levert, I think, you know, they were causing some trouble. So, yeah. you know, that was good, you know, challenged them, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I just feel like we just need to play smarter and not harder right now. We need to play our game. You know? Well, and Vooch, Vooch played, I mean, Vooch is a guy, if his shot isn't falling, right. you know, then he's got to get inside. He's got to do some mm-hmm. other things. He's got to rebound. He's got to do other things. He's been struggling. And one of the guys that has been one of the highlights of watching Bulls basketball this year has been Io. And, yes. um, you know, it's, it's different coming from 
uh, college and then going to the NBA. Uh, you play a lot more games, and it looks like um, he's starting to wear down just a little bit as we get closer yes. to the playoffs. Yes, um, and I did see that. I was kind of reading an article on that, that maybe the other players, have, other teams have kind of figured him out, although yeah. I still like him on the court. He does play solid D. Um, he has long arms. You know, I still am more confident with him on the court versus Kobe White. So I like him and like him and Crusoe yesterday were really good on the court. And I think him and Vooch really formed a good chemistry when Crusoe was out, you know, um, in the post. And he definitely played good of a point guard, you know, setting him up. So I feel like they figured him out, but he's also good at running plays and like making, yeah. you know, layups and like driving it down, you know, the baseline, you know, you'll yeah. see it all like just yesterday, anyone who watched the game. I mean, he had like six crucial points towards, you know, the end of the game, you know, so they figured him out, but I'm still confident with him on the court. One thing about Kobe White, though, is Kobe's the kind of guy that can come in and go off. He can come yeah. in and start hitting those threes and actually – uh, the one thing I've enjoyed watching the Bulls this year, obviously at the start of the season, was a lot more fun with Lonzo Ball playing. Yeah, and uh, it's a shame he hasn't been able to come back. But um, they're start the Bulls are starting to play basketball the way the rest of the NBA is. Yeah, and that's nice to see uh, with Billy Donovan as the coach. Now, you know, even getting into the playoffs as the season started, I think a lot of Bulls fans got a little bit out over their skis. They thought, mm -hmm. "Oh, this is a great team. We're going to be really good. Um, if they can win a playoff series, that would be great." Uh, I think with all the injuries they had this year, with Caruso being out for so long, right. and with Lonzo Ball being out for so long, um, I think next year is the year that they're going to be able to actually make something happen uh, in the Eastern Conference. This year, I think, is a, a year that we see what they can be, but I don't think we're going to see the uh, final result this year. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, when we were number one, you know, we knew we weren't going to sustain that. I mean, obviously, you're thrilled is a lot. Inter like insanely long Bulls fan, like you're, right. you know, you're on cloud nine, right? You're like, yes, but you knew you couldn't sustain that. The Milwaukee yeah. was going to get better. Boston was going to get better. Philadelphia was was going to catch up to you at one point. Right. Um, You know, I still, I mean, love DeRozan, the pickup. How could you not? You know, right. Levine, I've been a fan since the beginning when people knocked him, when we traded him for Butler. It's always been a Levine fan. Okay, number one, I appreciate he was never scared, right? Like yeah. other people who've had meniscus, you know, ACLs, like never drove it to the lane. He had zero fear, like just love him. And he cares about excelling his game, you know, yeah. and and the going to the Olympics. I mean, I truly believe when you play with the best, you know, it definitely amps up your game. Sure. I mean, are there still things to tweak with Levine? Yeah. I mean, the step back three all the time, the fadeaway three, it's like, bro, just drive it to the lane. Like, do your game, you know? Yeah. Like, he still does some questionable things, you know, but, I mean, we definitely should pay him. I mean, there's no well, reason we should let go of him. No, we've seen something this year also that we had not seen with him. Right. Is he actually is trying to play some defense. Um, right. And I think that's Billy Donovan, too, because he is not <clears> – he's always been the guy that – you know, he didn't do anything on the defensive side. For As far as I was concerned, he didn't do nearly enough. Right. And defense, you're not born with defense. Yes, just want to. Uh, defensive rebounding is want to, knowing where to be, hustling, and things like that. And anybody can play defense. And um, I, I think slowly but surely he's starting to get there. And if you want to be one of the top players in the league, you got to play. It's It helps if you can play both sides of the ball. At 100%. You have yeah. to. And, and I absolutely – 
you know, Caruso being on the team is helping him. You see him always coaching. And, you know, like I said, I just feel like when you play with the best, like anyone who's an athlete in heart or just know that when you're on a team, you know, you, you, you want to play to the best of your capability. You don't, you know, and he realizes that this is his chance. Like he's right. finally going to make knock on wood. Like they're finally going to make the playoffs this year. Like, yeah. You know, it's like Jose Abreu, if he, when he like ran into that player, had contusion, he was ready to come back <laughs> in the game, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you're, you don't want to look like the wiki slink at this point. And so I'm happy with that. I mean, he doesn't, he was out for a few games, but he's like, I got to get back in there, you know? Right. Right. So, There's no doubt. It's going to be fun. Bulls, yeah. I'm happy yeah. we exceeded our expectations. No one thought we were even going to be this good this year. You know, I mean, we haven't made a playoff since, what, 2017 against Boston, which I still believe if Rondo didn't get hurt, we would have been Boston. That's it. I agree. We're up to nothing. I was working at ESPN, and I got so in so many arguments with people, especially yeah. with Carmen DeFalco. I got in so many arguments because I said they could have won the game. He said yes. they're not that good. I said either was Boston no. at that time, no. and the Bulls had the opportunity. They could have won that series. And Rondo yeah. got hurt, and yeah. we, and that's when we had D Wade. So I yeah. really believe we could have taken that series. But yeah. I'm just excited. We're back. You know, I don't want to just make the playoffs. I no. want to stay in the fifth spot. I'm happy there. Let's be content. You know play a team that we can win and you know who knows what will happen in the second round yeah, go from there okay well you were nervous to start you seem okay right now i could talk for hours now i'm good <laughs> well i appreciate you coming on we'll do it again sometime we'll do it again maybe when the white Sox are playing and yes. the bulls are out of the playoffs I'm or something like to, that i'm trying to borrow mike you know megan's husband go to boston with him to watch the game may 5th and 6th in boston so that'd be nice that would be nice yeah. Yes. Well, I'm glad we were able to get you on. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Uh, I love talking White Sox and Bulls. It's fun talking with you. We'll do it again soon, okay? Thank you so much. Have a great night. Okay. Thanks, Nancy. That's Nancy Kalivas, and Nancy's been uh, a fan of 1252. She knows Mike's uh, wife, Megan, very well, and uh, I sit around and talk with her when we're at some of the events, and um, she's just, I'm saying, okay, well, you know your stuff, and um so it's great. It was nice to have her on. We're also hoping to have uh, Courtney Finnecombe on. I think, hopefully I'm saying her last name correctly. Uh, we are going to have her on next week, but I'm not going to do a show next week because the final uh, championship game of the NCAA is going to be going on. And uh, she can't come out on the 11th, so we'll get her on. She does a uh, podcast also with Mark Carmen. Uh, great guy, works over at uh, WGN, has worked at WGN and does stuff. So uh, we'll get him on, uh, get her on eventually and a big white Sox fan and a denver broncos fan and now she's very happy because they have a quarterback so we'll do that too uh let's take a break we come back we're going to talk some beer it's hubes views and brews i'm finishing up this delwood i don't know if i can finish it during the commercials and we come back we'll talk with um ricky cervantes of foreign exchange brewing talk some beer talk about uh his brewery talk about the beer he makes and where you can find it and all kinds of things we come back after this on 1252 sports hello 
This is Paul from Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. We are located at 1026 South State Street in historic downtown Lockport, Illinois. We are very excited to be partnering up with the Fat Mike Chicago Sports Show as well as the 1252 brand because we are one of the few Chicagoland breweries that embrace sports and sports culture. Come in for a fresh brewed beer made right here in Lockport while catching the game of your favorite team. Stay for the live music that we have booked every weekend or just come for a cozy atmosphere to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, loved one, or complete stranger. Nick and Ivy makes you feel right at home no matter what the occasion is. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. Visit our website for our up-to-date tap list or to go shopping on our online store at nickivybrewing.com. That's N-I-K-I-V-Y brewing.com. Come in today for a fresh brewed beer born and raised in Lockport, Illinois. Megaplex Sports Complex is a 78,000-square-foot center filled with hardwood and turf. They have baseball rentals with batting cages, softball, soccer, lacrosse, gymnastics, cheerleading, cornhole, basketball, volleyball, and pickleball. It also features a bar and grill with the best pizza and beef sandwiches around. They cater to events such as birthdays, graduations, corporate parties, as well as memorabilia shows. Check them out at Megaplex Sports Complex, 15301 South Bell Road in Homer Glen, 708-966-4210. Hi, I'm Jonathan Darren, licensed real estate broker with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group in Homer Glen. Are you looking to buy or sell? Have you been disappointed in the past? The Jonathan Darren team with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group focuses on providing you with a concierge level of service during the process of buying or selling. We are a service-oriented team with a fresh and professional approach to selling real estate. Our goal is to combine knowledge, skills, and passion to exceed our clients' expectations. And most of all, we truly care. We are a knowledgeable real estate team focused on offering expertise and innovative solutions for our clients. The Jonathan Darren team has five full-service real estate brokers and a dedicated full-time marketer servicing all of Chicagoland. We will customize a detailed plan around your timeline for a sale, purchase, investment, estate, or other needs. Real estate transactions can be stressful, but don't need to be. Let us handle it for you. Visit our website, homesbyjdt.com or call 708-308-1938 today. Expect better in real estate. Choose the Jonathan Darren team. Fuzzy football, are you ready, brother? Real football action on a glossy game surface, play shuffle style. Slide a shuffle puck at pass or run targets, and a free mobile app keeps track of every game detail. Easy to learn, but this game of skill is difficult to master. Take care of the ball, or turnovers will kill your drive. The game is guaranteed to get your competitive fire burning, and it's perfectly sized to take anywhere. The park. A barbecue, your next tailgate, or fun at home on game night. Fozzie football is simply the best, most realistic, and competitive game of football available anywhere. Add defense when your skill improves, and take the game to the next level. The perfect mix of fast action and real football drama, where a last-second Hail Mary can break hearts or make champions. I got some work to do on that Fozzie football. I was brutal. I lost 28 to 6 because um, I finally scored a touchdown and then uh, went for two. And that was bad. Did not make it. Uh, welcome back. Um, Hubes Views and Brews here on 1252 Sports. And um, 
I've been trying to get this guy in for a little while because he makes great beer, and I wanted to find out more about Foreign Exchange Brewing. So we bring in Ricky Cervantes from Foreign Exchange Brewing to talk about his brewery. What's up, Ricky? Hey, Fred. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. You know, I... Yeah, I know. I've been trying. You're a busy man. You're always busy. You're canning stuff. You're making stuff, and you're always in other places. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I was drinking the Delwood, but now I had stopped over at uh, Orange and Brew and picked up uh, Between Two Parallels. Um, I'm looking here. It says, a third-year beer by Foreign Exchange. Explain what this is, and uh, what's a third-year beer? Um, so this is a little bit of a two-part project that we started out. Um, so this is, we are, we are just entering into our third year of brewing beer in the Chicagoland area uh, as, as of uh, last month. Uh, so what that means is that I wanted to put out this beer. Um, uh, this is the non-barrel-aged version of it uh, at the beginning of the year. And then at the end of the year, which will be sometime in February of next year, my game plan is to um, put out a Four Roses barrel-aged version of this beer mm. out and uh, we actually price this pretty low to kind of encourage people to buy some extra cans to kind of hold on to it because uh, I, f- I feel like this is one that's going to age pretty well. And that way you can also try the non-barrel age and the barrel age side by side uh, at the conclusion of that third year. That's great. That's awesome. And it pours great. And hold on. And it tastes wonderful. And, and I was wondering here because usually you don't see many stouts that have two different kinds of vanilla in it. And this one has... Madagascar vanilla and Tahitian vanilla and marshmallow. Um, that's is that weird? Is that strange? Have you done that before? Having two different vanillas in? Yeah, um, in other beers, I've, in other beers I've done in the past, I've done a, a handful of vanilla just to kind of create a little bit of complexity in that flavor. Um, the reason you don't see too much of it is just because it's expensive. Uh, vanilla beans okay. are not cheap. Uh, vanilla extract is not cheap. Um, any kind of real, genuine vanilla products are not cheap. Um, so. Uh, and we use the fi- we you know the finest quality ones we can get, um, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to like I said, kind of create complexity with, with the vanilla. So like with the Madagascar, it kind of brings a little bit of that marshmallowy to complement the marshmallow uh, flavor that we have in there, and then the Tahitian gives a little bit of like a almost like a I get I get like a candied cherry uh, on on note on there as well, and that comes and that's usually pretty characteristic of Tahitian vanilla as well. Yeah, it's really really super smooth. I know a lot of people. I mean. I'll drink stouts any time of the year. I mean, a lot of people just like drinking stouts. Yeah, when it's when it's uh, when it's cold out or during the winter months. But stouts are great, and there's so many of them. I went on your website just to look, and you got it written as you guys are you're a small batch and oak aged ales is what you make, and 2020 uh, best new brewery um, in Illinois by the PorchDrinking.com guys. Um, But you are a small brewery. Because you're still, I'm looking, and for the most part, you brew most of your stuff up with Church Street, correct? Uh, everything comes out of Church Street at the moment. Um, yeah, we're in the process of uh, building out our own space in downtown Aurora. Um, hoping to have that up and running sometime this summer. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, the the uh, Lisa at Church Street has been, you know, awesome in, in getting us in there and and uh, letting us crank beer out of uh, out of her space and share that space with uh, with those guys. Um, and uh, yeah, we've been at it for, like I said, just over two years now, We're going into our third year. I think the first time I heard about your beer, and you probably were making it before that, but the uh, Kitty Wampus was probably the first time I heard of Foreign Exchange, uh, the Imperial Coffee Porter. 
Um, I'm not a coffee guy. I've mentioned it before. I just, I've never had coffee before. And one day I was here, I was drinking a coffee beer and when we went to commercials. I actually had to get another one because I'm just, I'm not a coffee guy, but you're yeah. kidding. Wampus, it was that, has that been the biggest beer that you've made or one of the most, the most popular ones that you've made? Yeah, that's uh, that's probably by and large our our, uh, our flagship um, beer. Uh, that's the one that's we've brewed the most times in terms of with regards to different variants. So we kind of brew a very similar version of that beer, um, but with different treatments to it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'd like to have that guy come back soon. I've got a I've got a couple different barrel aged versions of that in in uh, bourbon barrels over at Church Street right now, uh, which you can you can expect to see later this year. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's definitely our most popular beer of all the ones that we brew. Hey, for those people who don't know, probably myself included, when you mentioned barrel aged, and we talk about it a lot, uh, everybody makes some barrel aged stuff. Um, how long is the optimum time to have something in a bourbon barrel aged or uh, a different kind of barrel aged? Until it's ready. Um, <laughs> there is no clear answer because each barrel really does have its own unique fingerprint uh, in regards to where um, you can have two barrels of the, from the same distillery. And you can get different characteristics out of those. And if, and if you blend those together and they work, then it's, then it could be good to go right then and there, you know, after, you know, anywhere from six, eight, ten, ten months or so. Uh, however, I like to try to strike a good balance between getting some of that like bourbon flavor out of there uh, while also still picking up on actual oak characteristics. And that usually requires being in that barrel for a little bit longer. Um, I have a big barley wine just to give you a couple of examples. The last barrel aged kitty wampus I put out was in there for 11 and a half months. Um, I've got a barley wine uh, in barrels right now that's right around the four, just over the 14 month mark right now. Okay. Um, I've got a kitty wampus in Eagle Rare barrels right now that's uh, right around the one year mark right now. Um, and I'm just going to keep letting those ride a little bit longer. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's basically it's just a matter of going in there every few months and, and uh, pulling nails, taking a little sample and tasting it and seeing when it's ready. And it, the beer will let you know. Are, are you, uh, most of the people I've had on here, they've always given me similar answers, but how did you get started in this whole uh, brewery thing? Um, I, uh, I, you know, I've been a big fan of craft beer for, for well over a decade at this point, and uh, um, I had a lot of really fun ideas. I got to know, I, I got to know some people who have gone on to, you know, make, you know, have their own breweries and, and, uh, you know, I would always have, you know, ideas of things that didn't exist in the market yet, or maybe things you know, ways that certain beers could be better. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously no one wants to hear like some guy, some home brewer guy, uh, <laughs> it's like telling you how to make your beer better. But like, I, you know, I had ideas on how to make, how to improve things or I'm like, Oh, wouldn't it be really cool if we did this? Um, right. No one else has done this before or some, some obscure brewery in the West coast or whatever is doing this. We should, we should do this here in Chicago. And, uh, after a while, I just kind of like, well, I'll just give it a shot myself and i figured it out you know figured out how to you know dump a lot of batches in the process but yeah i just started home brewing and sharing my beers at beer events and and uh, beer releases and uh bottle shares and just it kind of just took you know made like you know created legs of its own and, and took off we talk so i talk so much with uh so many people here uh about and we've seen it with uh, what happened at skeleton key and what happened at twisted hippo and everything else how the community is so strong and uh it's pretty amazing how everybody help seems to help everybody else. It really is unlike anything else. It's um it's unlike any industry. I mean, I've I've worked in many many industries, um, and uh, over the years, and and there's really no other industry like the brewing industry in terms of how 
um, it's it's like a big club. I mean, honestly, like uh, everyone helps each other out. Um, you know, I was hanging out with people from, uh, you know, two or three, two or three, uh, four different breweries yesterday. You know, we all hang out together. Um, and like, it's just a, there's a, the, the sense of camaraderie there between um, not only industry people, but also like even craft beer fans. Sure. Um, there's a lot of love uh, there. there um, it's, it's unlike anything else. Well, and it was funny because I saw you at the uh, Westmont Winter Beer Fest and I, I, I had the, uh, I still have the, the whole sheet from the, the the festival and you had an awesome you had two awesome beers but the one that i was telling everybody i was walking by i said hey have you tried the mango habanero yet you got to go try it um it's a triple hazy ipa it was 11 percent and the mango got you in front and the habanero got you in the back and it was awesome um when you do a thing like that how do you know which beers you're going to take is just stuff you're working on stuff you have not canned stuff you have canned how do you do that um, so for, I've been kind of using beer fest as a little bit of R and D, uh, to be completely honest, um, to, to the point where, uh, I'll take ideas that I've either want to execute, um, or have, you know, toy around with the idea, or maybe it's something that I want to, uh, play around with, um, again, something that, you know, kind of revisit something. Uh, and, uh, I've got, I have, I have some kegs laying around of, a uh, Tropico, which is a triple IPA that I, I released, uh. And um, I've been toying around with the idea of doing a, a mango habanero beer. Um, my, my friend David Files at Energy City does a really great one. Uh, and I wanted to kind of try my hand at that. And uh, so that seemed that beer in itself is very mango tropical fruit forward. So it seemed like yeah. a perfect candidate to pair that with. And uh, I it was it was a winner. Yeah, it was really amazing. The other one wasn't bad either. The Life is Delicious, the uh, Strawberry Milkshake Double IPA. And I know you can't you have canned that in the past, right? Yes. Uh, so that was a beer that we have put out. It's a, it's a, a double IPA, uh, milkshake IPA with strawberry puree and Madagascar vanilla. And um, what we ended up doing is uh, I wanted to kind of not only boost the strawberry on that a little bit further, um, but also I'd been playing around with a, a cotton candy flavoring that um, I've been meaning to play around with. And I want to really wanted to do that. And I did some small batch trials, just, you know, kind of doing in, in, you know, in a glass with a can of that beer. And I really liked the way it came out. So uh yeah, did a full keg of that just for that one event and um, got some really great feedback. I had one of my friends actually just text me the other day and uh, she was like, you need to can that beer when you're canning that um, in, in due time. In due time uh, is the answer to that. Now, I've got a list of all the stuff that you have canned. I got the foreign chemistry and um, Chicago-ish, which was a Pilsner and Unified Field Theory, which was a uh, West Coast uh, double IPA, Life is Delicious, which we were just talking about. I got one here, the Scroll and the Lamb. Uh, with Sal is that with Salamoth, a collaboration with the two, or did you just make it there? Um, it was a collaboration with Salamoth, um, so, and it was brewed at Salamoth. Uh, we actually brewed two versions of that beer, which uh, not a lot of people know about. Um, one very high-gravity version that went into barrels, um, and then the version that everyone is aware of, which actually is uh, the label is right here. Um, yes. Uh, the, the other version, which is a little bit lower gravity, uh, still a very, very full bodied beer. Um, but yeah, so that beer was actually um, inspired by a collaboration that they did with the brewery back in 2014 called Conquest. Okay. Uh, it was the same exact adjuncts, but on a uh, Belgian golden ale. And that was one of the first um, brewery releases where I went to, to a brewery to go stand in a line to wait for beer. Um, and uh, 
and you know, not only is there a sentimental attachment there with Salamos because that was my neighborhood brewery, uh, being in Naperville, and I, you know, I was in, on the uh, the east side of Aurora, the far east side, um, and uh, and uh, so not only those, the sentimental attachment there, but also the brewery is my favorite brewery, uh, and that was one of my first releases that I lined up for. So I'm like, hey, if we're gonna do a collab, like let's revisit that idea, and that's yeah. how that kind of came to be. I remember I was at Salamote the day they opened and their first anniversary. I've not been back there a lot since then because since then so many other breweries have opened up. It's been it's amazing and um, you know, but they're, they they and when they started, they were making basically just Belgian styles, but they've kind of branched yeah. off from there, haven't they? They've completely turned that brewery around. Um, they yeah. still do. They, you know, they have a really great uh, Belgian uh, Belgian pale right now, which is very reminiscent of like Allagash White um uh but uh they on top of that too they're making some phenomenal hazy beers some great stouts uh they started that hidden hand offshoot which is yep. uh, kind of pushing the bar as far as hoppy hoppy beers go um and uh like if you haven't been recently go check it out they have a absolutely beautiful they have like a, it's called Solomon's community forest so they have heated a-frames little bubbles and stuff with tables um it's a really cool experience in terms of tap rooms as far as tap rooms go um and the beer isn't bad, half bad either no, I remember one day, and this is way back when, because they had just opened up, and then they did a, uh, they brought some of their beers to Brixie's, which is now another Imperial Oak, and uh, I went there, and it was like nobody else there, so I just sat and talked to them, and at the time, it was uh, John Barley, yep. and um, yeah, we were, we just sat and talked and chatted and uh, had a great time, and I, you know, I got home, I'm not sure how, uh, but that night, but uh, yeah, it was, it was really a wonderful place, and now um you know it's funny because how it's all changed now brixies and become imperial oak and everything else um a couple i you've got three i think it's three different small cakes beers and um you got the small cakes peach the um uh, peanut butter skies and the tiramisu talk a little bit about those uh so um those stem from the essentially the beer that was kind of my launching point to be honest um I was giving an I was given an opportunity to uh, to scale up one of my home brew recipes uh, at Oswego Brewing Company uh, with Mark Wilson uh, over there, and in addition to it being a collab, I, I wanted to also rope in um, small cakes or small small cakes at Aurora because we're going to be up in Aurora. Um, I love their cupcakes, um, and then Sal, the owner, is a is a good friend of mine. So we want I wanted to bring him on board. We did a beer called Triple Chocolate Cupcake. And okay. uh, that was the beer that effectively, you know, it sold out the same day. It was a huge release. Uh, I was blown away that anyone even knew who I was and was willing to, you know, to drive out to Oswego to buy one of my beers. <laughs> um, but we ended up selling out. And that's the beer that effectively, you know, kind of became my launching point. And I was like, okay, maybe I have something here. Um, so when I started Foreign Exchange, I kind of wanted to bring them on board with me uh, and to do a rotating series of, of uh, cupcake-inspired beers that are kind of inspired by their... Um, the, their line of cupcakes and and I didn't want to just limit it to stouts. I wanted to also kind of incorporate some of those flavors into IPAs uh, as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to continue exploring that in the future with different beer styles. But uh, that's where we've come so far. Okay, now you probably won't have an answer for this. If you do, people will get excited. But how how close are you to having your place? Because I know when we were in at the Westmont Winter Beer Fest, there was a there was an address for a tap room yeah. on the sign that was behind you. Uh, how close are things going and how, how close is it? 
We're chugging along. Um, I'm that's the million dollar question. That's the question that I get asked uh, on, on a sure. daily basis. Um, uh, we're I'm, I'm shooting for sometime this summer. I don't have a definitive date yet. We're still uh, we're still uh, hammering that out. But yeah, yeah. When, and when, and I have, when I have a definitive date, I will be shouting that from the from the rooftops, um, and I'll be posting updates uh, as I have more updates on on our social media. Well, let me ask you another question too, because I know. Um, a lot of people, when they first start out, it's, I make the beer, I can the beer, I distribute the beer. Is that what you're doing right now? You're doing everything? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I wear all the hats. Uh, that's that's why I'm such a tough guy to get a hold of. <laughs> um, yeah. All, all, I mean, all last week, I have I was distributing all around Chicagoland, um, you know, all the way up, you know, downtown, south side, far south suburbs, all the way up to McHenry County um, in Rockford. Uh and then this week, um, I'm, w- I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear back on a, uh, on a on a bottling date for one of my collaborations down in Champagne. Um, but uh, I'm gonna. I plan on being on Central Illinois this week, uh, distributing down there as well. So I'm literally all over the place. Uh, and yeah, I'm very much. Uh, it, it, wear, I wear a lot of hats. Yeah, you do. I mean, I and and it's funny too because I've told a couple of people that I go. I contacted Rick. He never. He doesn't get back to me. They go. He's always busy. He's canon here. He's doing this here. But it, it's funny. Um, Fobab came up, and Fobab every year. I didn't get a chance to go this year, which is killing me because um, I, I heard it was wonderful. They did a lot of stuff outside, but you guys had a collaboration beer, and you guys ended up winning medals. So talk about that beer that you guys made. Yeah, um, so I put in two beers myself. Uh, one of them was Barrel Age Kitty Wampus, and then Clockwork, which is my personal favorite beer that I make. Uh, it's a English barley wine. Um, but then also uh, whiskey. Our friends at Whiskey Hill, uh, we we ended up doing a three way collaboration with uh, Whiskey Hill Brewing in Westmont. Um, the guys from Midwest Brew Review, uh, Brian specifically, uh, we ended up uh, brewing up one of his Belgian saisons. It was his recipe. Uh, however. Uh, we use my house uh, wild wild culture, which is a, a mix of different sour cultures that I've been doing. I've been using a, on a homebrew scale for years, um, and we ended up uh, just for funsies inoculating some wine barrels that we filled with with those beers um, with that, just to see what would happen. And that was the base beer that effectively became Solar Fusion, which was what Whiskey Hill entered into the uh, the fruited wild category, and uh, ended up winning a gold with that, which was uh, really awesome. Um, uh yeah you know we didn't get any for our our solo beers but you know we'll, I'll, I'll take that i'll take that no i mean that was very very cool because i actually had gone to i went to whiskey hill and tried that um that same weekend they had it on tap at their place at whiskey hill and i tried it it was amazing and then i saw that like a day or two later that you guys won the the gold for that that's awesome uh, when when that stuff's coming up how do you go about submitting a beer i mean they have a million different categories and like you said the, the category that you submitted for was you know wild fruit and all the other yeah. stuff but how do you come up with decide say hey this is something i want to make sure i try to get in there um so basically as a brewery i think you're able to submit two beers per location um so uh with me i mean my flat my my flagship beer my favorite beer it was a no-brainer as far as which ones to enter um but with whiskey hill you know he had won uh, a gold uh, previously for his Imperial Stout. He had won runner-up best in show last year. And um, so I think he wanted just to try to change it up. You know, he had, he did submit another Imperial Stout this year, this past year. But um, I think he just wanted to kind of change it up and kind of diversify. And uh, and we were, we we really liked how that beer was tasting when we pulled samples out of those wine barrels. 
Um, so we decided to get that bottled up and submit that. And that's kind of, yeah, it kind of went all the way. Okay. So for the fans of foreign exchange, uh, if they did, did not get this, uh, what's next? What's the next thing we can expect to see from foreign exchange in cans? Um, in cans, uh, it'll probably be a little bit, um, like I said, we're, I'm kind of focusing on getting the building built out. Uh, sure. we, do, we are bottling, um, I did a collaboration of an actual barley wine with uh, Triptych Brewing down in Savoy. Okay. Um, really good friends of mine. Um, and uh, we're, I believe that we're bottling that guy this week. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I would say follow Triptych social media as far as um, release details. I don't know if any of that's making its way up here into the suburbs, but um, that's being bottled this coming week or, or this week, I should say, I, I want to say. Um, I'm waiting. Like I said, I'm waiting on confirmation on that, but. That's what you can expect next is going to be a big barley wine that was a uh, condition on Amberana wood. Um, it gave it a really awesome, like cake spicy, almost um, it's, it's got a lot of complexity. It's a really fun beer. And then um, to drive that even further, we, we, we were tasting through some of uh, Anthony's barley wine barrels when we were down there. And we kind of decided to also blend some of his barley wine, barrel aged barley wine stock into this beer. So it's a uh, blended uh, barley wine. That's uh Age on Amberana Wood, really fun beer. Definitely do not miss out on that. Jeez, um, that's amazing. And it's funny because I had told a while back my uh, my girlfriend had told me she goes, she goes, you got an addiction. I said, what do you mean? I said I can stop drinking whatever I want. And she said, no, no, no. She says you have to have the stuff when it comes out, the new stuff. Whatever comes out, you got to have it. And like you, you rattle it off, and I see stuff from every brewery will put something on that something's coming out. And she's right. I, I, I got to try and track something down as soon as it comes out. It's amazing. But um, th there's so many great things. Now, you said you're going to have a barrel-aged one of these? The the Yes. You're, you're um, between. Yeah, so we brewed a full batch of this, and uh, we ended up filling half of um, – we pulled half of the batch and filled it into uh, four roses barrels. Okay. Um, I'm hoping that that's going to pull a lot of oak character because those are very, very, very wet barrels. Um yeah, we ended up dumping a ton of bourbon out of those uh, that were just dripping wet. Sure. So, um, hoping it's not too boozy. Uh, even more reason <laughs> to pick up some more cans in case you got to water it down a little bit. Um, yeah, no, but, they were um, very yeah, good. You can expect to see that about a about a year from now. Yeah, and for the people have, that are watching that have not got them, I know that Orange and Brew has some in the neighborhood here, and there's a lot of places. Obviously, you were out driving around, uh, and you put a lot of miles on your cars. I'm sure. Um, with all you know delivering everything so uh Absolutely. i'm glad i'm glad i finally got you on you you got making some great stuff this is amazing uh i didn't think i just in a half hour i didn't think i'd get that far but i am you're gonna be sleeping great tonight i am gonna be sleeping very very well so i appreciate finally getting you on i will definitely see you out there i see you all the time and uh cannot wait to see you again ricky thanks a lot cheers Fred. thanks for having me yep definitely cheers ricky cervantes great great stuff he makes amazing beer and uh, you just heard just by listening to him, you could hear how much he puts into uh, trying to develop new beers, new styles and things like that and different flavors and that. And this between two parallels is so good. I got it. Like I said, uh, I'll be at Orange and Brew along with Fat Mike. We'll be there coming up on Saturday. We've got a, uh, a nice little uh, a nice little live remote we'll be doing at Orange and Brew as we set up for the uh, live free throw shooting contest. We'll be there. Come on over. Say hi. Um, they have some of the between two parallels. I know that's where I got this one and, um, you can definitely try these two more beer things before I have a, uh, what's up Fred's can. And it was pretty easy after 
last night's TV. So we'll talk about that in a second. Good news and bad news. The bad news is Little Key is closing. Little Key is what Skeleton Key opened as uh, they were trying to rebuild their old brewery. Uh, the other side of the building, they had a garage door. You walked on in. Uh, Adam was there and uh, Emily, Paul, John. They had their beers there and all the collaborations they did. The good news is Skeleton Key is reopening on Thursday. The facility is going to be reopened Thursday. You'll be able to get some beer. I saw Emily yesterday. Uh, I stopped over there. I, it, it's research. I had to stop there for a beer. It was her last day of Little Key, and she said, I got a lot of work to do till in the next five days, and I cannot wait till Thursday. Head on out to uh, Skeleton Key. <coughs> also, Elvers Brewing, which I'm going to with a bunch of people later on in April. Hope, hope not, not Skeleton Key. Uh, Elvers Brewing. Hopefully, Elvers Brewing is ready for us because uh, I'm bringing like 12 people there. And because uh, they got great food and their beers are awesome. They have a Mayfest coming up on May 14th. Two sessions, one to four and five to eight. It's $50 a person. And they set it a limit, only 100 people per slot, per time slot. So you may want to contact them. They may be filled already. May 14th is coming up quickly. May 15th, my birthday. I'm not expecting any gifts. I swear to God, I'm not. I am a terrible gift uh, receiver. So um, those are a couple things. And I've got a What's Up Fred's can. And uh, we'll do that in just a second. Well, maybe it's just because you're ugly. Ugly? You gotta be kidding me. Time for What's Up Fred's Can on 1252 Sports Chicago. When I worked at ESPN, or when I worked at The Score, and there were um, award shows, it was so easy the next day because you could rip one thing or another thing. Yesterday, they started the show with a Beyonce song. Before they saw anything, before they did introductions, before they did anything, Beyonce song. Awful. Absolutely awful. Okay. Terrible. Terrible way to start a show. They were out of order. They did some stuff where they didn't get enough of the movies in early and they were doing some. They did a great job yesterday with um, giving away the technical awards. They just rattled it off. We got in technical. It's this, 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 and this. And the winner is this. And so it made it a lot easier. But there was some really, really bad stuff. And then yesterday, the whole thing with Chris Rock and Will Smith. Now, I've got a goddaughter who had alopecia. Now, for those who don't know, alopecia is like an uh, illness that you lose hair. Your hair comes in. It's real splotchy and things like that. It's not life-threatening, okay? It's just, you know, you're gonna, if you're Jada Pinkett uh, Smith, you're going to have, you know, shaved head or whatever. Now. Chris Rock probably went a little too far with that joke, but Will Smith going up and slapping it was a joke. And the people that think that was uh that was planned, you're completely wrong. There's no way that was planned because of what you saw. And if you you know on TV here, it was blacked out and they they what cut it out and did all these other things. But in Japan and elsewhere, you heard the whole thing. And um, 
Will Smith was laughing at the joke until he looked over at his wife and she was none too happy. And uh, I'm not going to get into the other things with Will Smith and his wife because apparently there's been a lot of other stuff going on with those two. But if you're Will Smith, what you should have said is you could you should have walked to the to scene Chris Rock and said, listen, man, she doesn't appreciate being made fun of her problem. Instead of slapping him, that was a bullshit response to what Chris Rock said, okay? And I liked Amy Schumer. A lot of people didn't like um, the three hosts. I liked Amy Schumer. I thought they did some weird stuff. But Amy Schumer, I thought, was very, very funny. <coughs> I really like Wanda Sykes. She was good, too. But what's up, my can, is just award shows. The show did not end till almost 10.35. And I watched the whole thing, start to finish. Yeah, I did. 7 till 10.30. It was brutal. It went way too long. <coughs> Sorry for the coughing. Uh, but Will Smith's award acceptance award he went way too long and you're right they need ricky gervais back ricky gervais for the golden globes is the best because everyone's drinking and ricky gervais just rips everybody and that's the way it should be he's very very good at it i just i like that i thought amy schumer was really good wanda sykes always funny and uh regina king okay they did some weird stuff that i wasn't really a fan of but uh, the award shows just go there's no reason for it to go so long I know that the the technical people and all the other give them their own separate day. Do that some other day. Um, I didn't see hardly any of the movies. I have some of them on DVD because I used to work at a radio station and being in a union where they would send them to me to uh, vote on them. So I have Coda and a bunch of other stuff. So I'll eventually watch them all. So I'm glad Coda won. Very, very happy for them. But, um, yeah, so... That's what's up, Mike Can Award shows and uh, and Will Smith. There was a, a better way to handle that. And uh, I hope your wife's proud of you right now. So that's fine because you were defending her. And I understand that part. But you could have defended her easier by just walking up and, and having Chris Rock apologize. Okay? That would have been easier. That would have been better because right now this is going to go on forever. And uh, I try not to listen to too many people talk about it today. But uh, I heard just enough. So if you get a chance, between two parallels, uh, the beer that Ricky Cervantes done, his foreign exchange brewing, he's, he's cranking stuff out, making great stuff. Cannot wait till his tap room opens up in Aurora. Thanks to Nancy Kalivas, who joined us earlier. We talked some White Sox. We talked some Bulls. Thanks to you for listening. Don't forget, Saturday, Orange and Brew in downtown Downers Grove. We'll be there. Me and Fat Mike, we got a uh, live remote right before the NCAA Final Four. And, of course, they put those in prime time. So, by then, hopefully, Mike and I can focus on the games after we're at Orange and Brew and everything else like that. So, have a great week. We will talk to you not next week. Next week, NCAA Championship game. Be back here on April 11th, right here. 1252 Sports and Hubes Views and Brews. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to 1252 Sports Chicago.